Hello, 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 and welcome to Real Conversations. I hope all is well. I pray all is well. And if it is not, trust and believe that it can and it will get better. So today, I'm stopping in just to shed some light for all those who are a little confused um, about narcissism because it is very confusing and it takes a lot of understanding, compassion, and patience to really get a grasp on how narcissists how they come to become how how they get to a point of becoming a narcissist and uh, I speak from this place because I have done the studies I have done the research I've you know listened and read and just I've done my research and uh, I'm you know I've said this in several of my podcasts so if this is your first time listening I'm a narcissistic abuse survivor and so my mom, uh, now, you know, after I went through therapy and things like that, I came to realize that she was a narcissist or she is a narcissist, um, or she basically had narcissistic behaviors and tendencies. She's now older now, so she's a lot more calm, thank God. But, uh, a lot of the things that she exhibited, you know, early on in my life was narcissistic behavior. And, um, and then I ended up in a narcissistic situation. I don't say relationship, I say situation because you're really never in a relationship with a narcissist. You think you are in a relationship with them. You are tricked and deceived into thinking that you're in a relationship with them, but you're not. It's a situation. And uh, maybe I'll, you know, talk about that in another podcast. But today, uh, I'm stopping in just to explain the family dynamics of a narcissist. So for those, excuse me, for those who uh, know a little bit about narcissism, narcissism basically derives from a place of trauma. So normally, when you know, kids develop, and it's at different stages, um, they develop whatever Wherever the trauma began is usually where they are stunted. So let's say the child is five and they begin to, um, that's when the trauma starts in their life. They, even though they grow up to become adults and, you know, try to go out into the world and function like a normal adult, they are literally stunted they don't develop past five years old. And this is why they have anger management issues. They throw tantrums. They don't really know how to communicate. And their behaviors are almost childlike in the way they act and react to certain situations and certain people. And so once I started to understand narcissism and really start looking at the root of where it stems from. It normally stems from the parents, obviously, because, you know, when a child is small, they're usually uh, with a parent or an adult figure. So the narcissist that I was in a situation with, 
um, once I started to analyze the behaviors and understand a lot of what he was doing, and then I started to understand the patterns and the behaviors of his parents, it made sense that he would turn out to be a narcissist. However, like I stated, my mother is a narcissist. Well, basically, narcissistic behaviors. You know, she exhibited those things earlier in my life. And maybe I'll, I'm going to do a podcast on that about, you know, the, the dynamics of having, you know, being a child of a narcissist. And maybe I'll invite my girls on so that they can give their perspective on their experiences with the, having a narcissistic parent. So sometimes they, it's either two things. You become very empathetic and you become an empath and, or you become a narcissist. And so in my case, I became an empath. So I'm very, you know, compassionate very empathetic, very nurturing. Um, Not that I'm a doormat because trust me, I could go from zero to 100 real quick, but I always had, um, I've always had it in me to look for under, like seek clarity and seek understanding. And I get a lot of that from my dad. You know, I did a podcast about speaking with the relationship with my dad and, you know, regardless, he was always there for me. He gave me that emotional support and encouragement and love that I didn't get from my mom. But my dad was the one who gave me that, even though we didn't live in the same house. So when I understand when I started to do the comparisons and really just looked into how things connected, just going, just understanding the relationship that he had with his parents. He hated his parents. He hates his parents. He really despises his parents because of the lack of emotional support. There was never really any emotional support And I say that because just in conversations and phone calls and just them interacting, you could tell like it was a disconnect, like nothing was ever really about love. It was more of a transactional thing like, oh, you got money. Oh, I need this. Oh, I need that. Or can you do this for me? Or can you do that for me? It was never a place of, you know, like encouraging or encouragement or positivity or love or uplifting. It was always very, what can you do for me type of attitude. And so there was a lot of resentment because there was no emotional connection. It was just all transactional. And it made sense as I started to move along in my situation with the narcissist why he was never really emotionally connected to anything. It was always very transactional, what I can do for him, never about what he could do for me or what he could do for his children. It was always about what I can do for him. And so he exhibited those behaviors because that's how it was with his parents. And his father was very cold, like they're very cold. It was never really any, it just was weird. And and I don't say weird in a bit. It was just, it was, like I said, it was kind of confusing because I didn't experience that. Like I said, my mother was a narcissist. 
what had narcissistic tendencies, but, um, you know, there were times where, you know, she would be like, Oh, you know, like she would show some type of emotion, but with his parents, there was literally no type of emotion. I've never heard him speak highly of his parents. I've never heard him say a good thing about his parents. It was always very negative. It was always very like cold. It was always very brash. It was always very, um, disconnected. And so naturally he would become a disconnected person. And so the family dynamic was really how it starts. And so the father is very abusive. So his mother is emotionally abusive because she neglected him in a lot of ways. And just in general, certain things that he would say about his, his mom was never really good, never nice. Like I, even though my mother had her issues in the past, I've never spoke about my mother in that way. I've never, uh, spoke about her in a negative way. It's the truth, but I've never spoke about her in a negative way. And he would always have these little things like, oh, we didn't, like, you know, like around the holidays, you could tell it was just like, he didn't really put no effort into holidays because as a kid, he didn't get any toys. He didn't get anything. He wasn't, you know, his parents didn't pour into him, pour into him or, you know, really give them that sense of love and appreciate, you know, just that sense of love that he needed. And so, you know, Christmases, birthdays, you know, just with all the different types of, it would, he would always find a way to ruin it for my kids, for my children. Like, it was just very weird. It was just like, what? Like, you know, wouldn't you want to see your kids happy? And, you know, he never traveled. He never, his parents never took him anywhere. His parents literally never did much for him. Maybe, you know, they couldn't afford to, you know, I don't know what their financial issues were back then, but maybe they just couldn't do, um, certain things. But again, it doesn't always take finances and money to pour into your kids and, you know, show them love and show them compassion. It was very like, um, abusive in a sense, because, you know, he would always talk about how, you know, um, he had issues in school and his mother was like, Oh, ain't nothing wrong with him. And we'll call the father. The father will come and beat him. And you know, that kind of thing. It was never really like, uh, um, okay, like what's wrong? What are you struggling with? Oh, how can we help you? How can we get you the support that you need to help you in school? Or what is it that's, you know, like it was never that kind of, um, conversations. And then he would always talk about how his, you know, he, he loved football and he would always talk about how his parents never came to any of his games. His parents never showed any interest in anything, you know, or any type of encouraging type of, you know, they were just very like, you know, like, so he was kind of like left in the wind and kind of had to fend for himself at a very early age. And, you know, other parts, you know, he had to, you know, do hand-me-downs and, you know, he kind of was hurt and, you know, you could see how he was kind of jealous and had to live in the shadow of, you know, one of his cousins. And a lot of things just bothered him, you know, a lot of things just bothered him and he just never really could express um, 
and just be open and transparent and vulnerable about his feelings. So whenever you mention something to him, the natural thing for him to do would be to react with anger and frustration and rage. Like it was just never really a normal way to handle anything. And so I would see how he would be jealous of the love and the compassion and how I pour into my children and how I would support them in whatever it is that they wanted to do. My kids would come home and just out of the clear blue, be like, hey, ma, I want to play such and such. Okay, well, that's what you want to do. Let's try it. I always try to encourage them to try something. If you don't like it and you're, okay, it's not for you, just move on to the next thing. And you know, he, he, he ended up, you could see how he was jealous because he would say little things and do little things and he would just be jealous of, you know, his own children. And that's a lot, something that what narcissists do, you know, they, they become jealous of everyone and everything because the attention and the focus is not on them. And there were several times where he would have conversations with his mom and he would just get angry. You know, she would say one little thing to him, he'd get angry, and he'll hang up the phone on her. And then she'll call me, oh, I don't know why he got to get so upset. I don't know why he gets so angry every time I mention. And I'm just like, that's your son. Why, why are you calling me? Like, wh- what, what do you want me to do? Like, that's how he is. Like, you should know, out of all people, you should know why he's this way. And, you know, she was just very, like, like like I said, no emotional kind of connection, no type of care or concern as to what is really going on. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm going to pray for him. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's okay. I, I pray. I'm spiritual. I'm into God and, you know, and God has done amazing things for me in my life. But at the end of the day, you also have to get to the root of the problem. Why is he this way? Why is he behaving this way? Why every time you say something to him, he just has to get angry. It's not even like a mad, like, oh, I don't, I'm, she's annoying me. I don't want to talk. It's like an anger that comes out of him. And the same thing with his dad. Several times I would witness him having conversations with his dad and he would just become so enraged. And it's like one time him and his father got into something over the phone. And and the things that the father was saying to him hurt him so bad that he couldn't cry. He couldn't... He had. He was just like empty you could just see how he was just defeated and I said oh my god like I like I looked at him and he just looked empty like blank like a a blank soul and again the all the things that the father was saying to him just crushed him it was almost like as if I was looking at that five-year-old little boy that was hurt and who couldn't defend himself and who couldn't speak up for himself and was just just full of just whatever it is. And again, the lack of emotional support. And, you know, boys are taught not to cry. Boys are taught not to show their emotion. Oh, you're a boy, you're a man, handle it. And so they learn to suppress it. But because they suppress it, it leaves this like an empty hole in them, like a void that no matter what they try to do, they can't fill. And this is why they do the things that they do. 
and they have addictions. And like I said, it's alcohol, it's drugs, it's sex, it's it's finan- whatever they can get to fill this empty void, they will try to fill this void. But never really ever filling that void because the love and the nurture and the care that they were supposed to receive from their parent, they never got. So it made sense, you know, once I understood what I was dealing with. However, that's not what I signed up for. Um, It's not my job to rehabilitate him. It's not my job to be his parent or to be his mother or to be whoever. That's not what I signed up for. I signed up to be, you know, his girlfriend, uh, potentially wife, the mother of his kids, whatever. Um, But that went out the window because I, you know, tried several times to get him to go to therapy, to get him to talk about what was going on, even if he didn't want to talk about it with me, but just to get it out, whatever it is. And he refused. He would turn it around and say that I was mentally abusing him, that I was, um, you know, mean and spiteful and vindictive, like all the things that he potentially wanted to say to his mother or to say to his father or just to say in general he would say it to me and I didn't deserve that. So it was, I I didn't sign up for that. (coughs) Excuse me. And so you find, you see them lash out in these ways. That's literally like childlike. And it's interesting because like I said, they grow up and they become adults, but they literally are that fragile child that is stunted at that age. And the flip side of that, because the parents are so emotionally disconnected and so dysfunctional in their own way, um, they know that something is wrong with their child. They know that their child has some stuff going on, but they would find every which way to make excuses and not be accountable for not doing what you're supposed to do as a parent for your child. Now, there's no perfect rule book and there is no rule book on parenting. However, if you have a mother who is, you know, your mother is your first love. You know, your mother is your first girlfriend, the person who's supposed to love you and nurture you and care for you. And, but if you don't have that and that's disconnected, then, you know, you you really don't know how to love because how can you love any woman if you can't even love your mother you understand what I'm saying so it it it's it's it goes both ways and then here you are uh you have a narcissistic father and your father uh is abusive to you to your siblings to your mother to other women like he has a pattern He has a history of abuse. It's not like it's just a one time. He has a history of abuse. So regardless, you love, but you learn how to love in a dysfunctional environment. So you lack empathy. You lack love. You lack compassion because the people who should have loved you and nurtured you and cared for you didn't because they probably couldn't. And when nobody wants to get help or uh, seek truth and and get therapy and and admit that something is wrong, then you just have these generations 
and generations of abuse. And this is how the cycle continues. And because they think it's normal and they think that this, this, that level of dysfunction is normal, they continue on with the same patterns. But it's abuse. It's abuse. One thing I had to learn as a parent, I have three daughters and I have children that are biologically not mine, but I love them and I treat them and I care for them like they're my own. I could not parent each one of my children the same. I had to, as I had my daughters and I saw them at different stages, I had to, I, as the mother, had to learn my children and I had to learn to love them in their own way. And I could not parent each child the same. I had to parent each one of my children differently because they all required something different. They all needed to be spoken to differently. They all needed to be loved and nurtured differently. I kept it the same across the board with certain things, but in terms of each one of them and what they required, I, as the mother, had to and that takes a lot because if you're working, if you have multiple children, you, your lives is busy. You, I, I get it, but that's the only way you, you know, it's like a love language. You can't communicate with someone in the way you feel is comfortable. You have to communicate with that person in their way and their love language because everything doesn't fit in the same type of category or that doesn't fit in the same box so that comes with understanding that comes with knowledge that comes with be being willing to do the work and so I have a different relationship with each one of my kids for that reason and my kids they call me whenever they need something they call me we talk and I give each one of them their due time, meaning I give whatever they need from me in that moment. That's what I am for them in that moment. I try to be there to help them along in their emotional needs. I can't hold their hand through everything. However, I try to give them some kind of balance because everything doesn't, what applies to one doesn't necessarily apply to the other, you know? And so with narcissism, the the, the breakdown really starts with the parents, the parents. And that became evident when, like I said, I was researching. I was well aware of all the things that was going to happen um, once I decided to finally break free from the narcissist. And it did happen, which is funny. It happened. So there was a, a point in time where out of respect, and as a woman, I called his mother and I said, well, this is the situation, you know, your son needs a place to stay. And rather than her say, okay, what is going on? What happened? The first thing she did automatically was jump to his offense. Jump to his defense. 
never asked me about me, never asked me about the kids, never asked me. And she just automatically started to find a hundred reasons and excuses for her son, her dysfunctional son, the same son that she would call me on the phone. If he was, if she was calling him and he didn't want to answer the phone, he wouldn't answer the phone. If she called him and was talking to him and she said something to him that he didn't like, he would hang up the phone, cuss her out, yell, scream, whatever, and, and hang up the phone. And then she turned around and she called me. And then she, oh, I don't know why he acting like this. Oh, I don't know why. I'm that same person. But now me as the woman, out of respect, I didn't put him out. I didn't throw his stuff out in the street. I didn't do any of that. But as the bigger person and as the woman, I called this woman on the phone. And all I said to her was, your son needs a place to stay. And she just, everything is, and I said, wow. But it was expected because like I said, the dysfunction, the enablers, because they enable this kind of behavior. All the times that she called me and asked me to go buy stuff and do this for her son and do that for her son because her son didn't have no money. I'm that same person. But when I'm calling her now to tell her, the first thing she did was automatically jump to his defense. I said, wow. I said, yeah, this is this is a dysfunctional family. And you know what? I have to do what's best for me and my children because I'm not about to sit here and, and, and do this. And, you know, she ended the phone call with saying, oh, I'll call you back. She never called me back which was fine because she had no intentions of calling me back because I, and, and I really didn't care because I wasn't interested in anything that she had to say at that point. I didn't have anything else to say to her at that point. And now with the father, I spoke with the father several times. I've asked questions. I've inquired, um, and ask some things here and there. And of course, you know, the father's a narcissist. So he's not going to tell the truth because narcissists are liars. They are great manipulators. They're great pretenders. And they will go high and low to what they call a safe face. And so he did the same thing to save face for his dysfunctional son. Mind you, Several conversations about how, you know, his son couldn't keep a job, how this, that, just at all the dysfunctional things that he knows that his son was doing. And for him to feel like his son's behavior was okay. And that because he's quote unquote a man and that he's supposed to do the things that he was doing just says a lot. You know, in the Bible, it says, if you want to see the character of a person or you want to understand the character of a person, pay attention to the fruit that they bear. Pay attention to the fruit that people bear. And it goes back to saying narcissism is derived from the parents. And then obviously there's, you know, family dynamics and they call you know the family members who know that this person is dysfunctional knows that this person has issues knows that this person is doing some nasty and wicked and evil and despicable things to people and they don't say a word those are the enablers 
And the sad thing about narcissism is, you know, you as the victim, the person who now is aware of what you just experienced, you literally have to disconnect yourself. You have to disconnect yourself because those enablers will turn into flying monkeys. Because here's the thing with narcissists, they will lie and be saying things about you for years. Things that you are not even aware of. It's mind-blowing the dynamics of how the narcissist and their dysfunctional family members, they just, it's like a flock of birds and they're all just filled with this disease. And here you are, the outsider, and you're trying to tell them like, hey, well, this is not, but because they're so used to that chaos and they're so used to that dysfunction, you have no choice but to leave those flock of birds and say, you know what, let them flock of birds just stay over there and, and, and be diseased. And at some point they'll all just drop out the sky and, and, and that'll be the end of them. But that's what it's like dealing with a narcissist and its family. It's sad. It's so sad. Nobody is holding each other accountable. Nobody is willing to say, hey, you know, something is wrong. We have a problem. Let's let's try to get, let's go to, like, nobody is just, everybody's just okay with the dysfunction. And they mask that dysfunction and just try to disguise it as love. That is not love. That is not love. It is abuse. Everybody is abusing everybody. And then, you know, it, it, it is, and it's sad because you hear how they talk about each other. Oh, trust me, that narcissist didn't have a lot of good things to say about a lot of people. So if he could speak that way about his own mother, his own father, his family members, I could only imagine the crazy things that he said about me some things you know I, I I did hear um but not that it makes me any difference because like I said most of it 99.9% of it is lies because they're so delusional and they become so delusional that they really believe that the lies that they are creating are true because they live in that delusional illusion type of mentality state you know it's just weird um but it's just sad looking at the family dynamics. And again, there's no perfect parent because like I said, my mother, you know, exhibited narcissistic behaviors. But thank God, you know, I had my dad who showed me love, who showed me compassion, who showed me love and understanding. And he does that to this day. He, my fa- I speak to my father every week. And we have very loving, healthy conversations. I don't think I've ever had a conversation with my dad where we ended, oh, and hang up the phone and never. I've never had that kind of that type of conversation with my dad. My mother, I've had several of those conversations. But once I set my boundaries, she had no choice but to respect my boundaries. And that's my mother. I love her. I'll never forsake her. I'll never leave her side. I'm always there for her. Um, I do everything for my mother. Because God placed in my heart from a very early age to, you know, regardless, that's my mother. 
but that was my journey you know that was for me and so I don't hate the narcissist do I want that narcissist in my life at any, any capacity hell no however I understand where the root of the trauma comes from um, and there's, I'm quite sure there's some other things that happened to this narcissist in his childhood that he still can't even speak on because he's such in a dark place. And this is why he abuses alcohol. And this is why he abuses drugs. And this is why he's running around, sleeping around with various women for money and just doing all the crazy things that he's, he, he does. And, you know, it's sad and it's unfortunate, you know, that... A person, like I said, never living their whole lives and never really being able to love and feel loved and be loved and to give love. They don't even love themselves. And that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, people think that this word love is all oh, love, love, love. Yeah, but when you really get to the deep root of it, that's what it all is. You know, his emotional needs weren't met. You know, his nurturing needs weren't met. His supportive needs and the compassion and all the things that he needed was not met. So he just became this angry and bitter person. And so even if you try to love him, he would not know what that love looks like. He wouldn't understand or comprehend what love looks like. And that's the, the truth of the matter. Um, so the only thing you could do is pray for them and wish them well and hope that, you know, they would want to get help. But the sad truth is most narcissists don't get help. Most narcissists will not do the internal work to fix whatever it is that's broken within, inside, with, within themselves. They won't fix it because it's painful. You know, it, healing from anything is painful, but you have to be willing to do the work. You have to be willing to to work on those internal things. And it's not just a, a one-time fix-it-all type of thing. It's an intentional thing. It's an everyday progress. It is an everyday struggle to overcome, but it can be done if that person wants it to be done so for all those who have struggled with understanding narcissism and where it stems from and how it stems from pay attention and look at the family dynamics like I tell my daughters I said you know something I said now that y'all at these this age where y'all dating and y'all meeting guys and you know if you meet a guy and you see his family and you see the understand the family dynamics once you really get to see the family dynamics if it's a dysfunctional dynamic nine times out of ten your 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 relationship is going to be dysfunctional so pay attention to the red flags pay attention to the things and how they treat each other and how they talk to each other and talk about each other and you know whether they have that crab in the barrel mentality or it's me it's all about me and you and I and them and you know they they have their little clicks and who's this and who's that pay attention to all of those things because those are indicators those are indicators 
And the same way that that person grew up is the same way they go about their relationships and how they deal with people and handle situations. And it's not an easy thing to do, to deal with. So again, for all of those who are struggling, pay attention to the red flags. Get to know a person's family before you decide to move on and have children with them. Uh, Really be intentional about the type of person you allow in your life. Because again, uh, once you start to have children, you know, it not only affects you, but it affects your children. And this is where the generational curses come in. And this is where the generational trauma comes in. And this is where the never, you know, breaking these cycles come in. And it's a lot of work. It's not easy. It's not easy. So with that being said, stay blessed. Have a good one.